everyone. How you doing? It feels great to be back. We were bounced for, I don't know, what were we bounced for? Football, basketball, hockey. What were we Last bounced week, for? Last week, I believe it was NFL playoffs. Okay, NFL playoffs. And... And you're uh, exciting for excited oh, for tomorrow. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I am so excited. I can hardly stand it. And I I will rem- I put this up on my Facebook page last week and don't post any negative things about the game. Do not burst my bubble. I have managed my expectations and I am well aware of the long and mostly sad history of Minnesota sports. I am so excited. I can hardly stand it. And wouldn't you know where the last game tomorrow stands? We're going to have to wait the longest. I know, but that's okay. That's okay. I got all my Viking gear ready to go and I know it's going to snow and be cold, so what Whatever, I got food, I'm beer, I'm ready yep, to go. Hunker down and enjoy it. You have to work. That's all right. I'm Thank gonna bring you. my TV in here and uh, <laughs> hook it up tomorrow, and it'll be a fun game to watch. I, I think so too. Um, I'm getting really excited, not only for the Vikings, and you know, I complain about Governor Dayton a lot, but he ordered the 35W bridge in Minneapolis to be lit purple all weekend ahead of the big game today, and I'm sure we'll see more and more and more of that stuff um, between now and the Super Bowl, too. Next week when we come on, did you know they dressed up our light rail trains to be football inspired trains? Oh, my God. So they have like a 50-yard line painted Mm -hmm. on there and all this kind of stuff. But it doesn't happen that often. I mean, there's a lot of cities that don't even have a football team to begin with, and then you know, to be at this point in the season, you have to take time to enjoy They it. did that for the Super Bowl, Stan. That boondoggle has cost us billions and billions of dollars. We have to subsidize it millions and millions of dollars every single year. But think of how, many, on how Super much money is going to be brought in during the big game when uh, travelers are riding on that light rail. <laughs> on Super Bowl day, you can I'll only ride that, that rug, yep. train if you have a ticket. I mean... We built a $2 billion train for a billion-dollar stadium. Oh, taxpayers in Minnesota are so generous, and we don't even get to ride the dang thing. Do you know they have a whole week of protests? We'll talk about this next week. Yeah, I week. heard about the bird dressing up oh, protests. That was a joke, by the way, but <laughs> okay. which was really funny, it wasn't is. it? Yeah. Somebody, as a joke, has said, okay, everybody, let's all dress up like birds, and we're going to pretend to Curl run into the stadium. The and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was, you know, I'll, I'll find that story. We'll talk about that one next week, too, because there's a lot of Super Bowl stuff that we have to talk to talk about. Um, in fact, one of the Super Bowl things I wanted to talk to you talk about is you always see this huge push um, about sex trafficking during the Super Bowl. It happens in every city. And I have uh, n- numbers, actual facts and numbers to say they just make this crap up. So then they spend all this money on sex trafficking and going after the Johns and the prostitutes and the whatever. And uh, really, truly, it's all uh, just a a big ridiculous nonsense public image ploy yeah public image ploy right 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 i think the vikings can beat the saints don't you oh i think they can beat anybody that is left in the playoffs whether that happens has remained to be seen but i'm cheering for them right 
All right. I have a great show. Yep. And go Vikings. Um, I have a great show planned for everyone today. Uh, Donald Trump wants to drain the swamp. I am ready to help. So today we're going to talk about regulations. We're going to talk about how they impact your wallet. We're going to talk about, in particular today, the one that's just making me so angry. And I will post up either tonight or tomorrow before the Viking game. Go Vikings. Um, Channel 11 had a very interesting story about the eight states who are raising the minimum wage or raised the minimum wage effective January 1st. And the Pioneer Press today is running a story about the minimum wage battle that's heating up in St. Paul. And, of course, the new mayor is uh, 100% on board for the fight for 15. Uh, It is so ridiculous, so destructive, so damaging to have government be this involved in the labor market. And uh, so we are going to talk about the minimum wage today. Um, It's pretty interesting when you hear what the businesses are doing, how they're adjusting to these skyrocketing costs in in the labor market. You're not going to want to miss that part four o'clock today you're not going to want to miss this part either lee mcgrath my hero uh lee mcgrath is from the institute for justice he's been on this show many times um one of his fellow attorneys, Anthony Sanders, has been on. Several of the IJ attorneys have been on here. The Institute for Justice does tremendous, fabulous work. They sue government. And um, you might remember the first time I had Lee on, I think we talked about the eminent domain case. Um, Oh, what a ridiculous thing that was. But Lee is a good friend of mine. I love him. I love the work they do at uh, Institute for Justice. He's bringing along um, a, a new plaintiff for them, Nan Bally. And I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. I haven't met Nan yet. Nan is a winery owner here in Minnesota. And IJ is is suing. Uh, this It's a really interesting case. It's about interstate shipping um, and and the the grapes that they, that they need to make wine in Minnesota. So Lee will tell us what IJ is up to, and we'll get to hear Nan's story. Um, at, at, she's a wine owner, so we'll get and I love wine, so we'll get to hear that story too. We're also going to talk a little bit today about Trump. Uh, it's we're coming up on his one year mark. Uh, coming up. What, next week, I think, one year. Uh, No, in spite of what the left says, he isn't Hitler. Uh, And yes, the left for the last year has been so outraged, so intolerant, so hysterical, so hypersensitive. Um, They hate him. They just hate him. And they have overreacted so many times. I feel like they're the the little boy who cried wolf. And I, it's just very hard for me to take the left uh, seriously anymore when 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 they just overreact to everything. So I, I have this list of some of the things. Well, it's actually over like the last two weeks because it's some of the things we were going to talk about. And then we had a week off and. And then another show, I didn't get to it, but it starts with the tax bill. But some of the things that I have on my on my list, I'm like, that happened last week. And it's like, no, that feels like it happened a month ago or two months ago. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. I've got some local stories I want to tell you about. Uh, the socialist micromanagers in our cities and counties uh, and townships are busy, busy, busy. 
outrageous, really. And, of course, I have some state politics that I want to cover because there's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes that you're not hearing about, whether it's because of media bias or a media cover-up. There are lots of things that are happening as the legislators are getting ready to prepare for the 2018 legislative session. We have some special elections coming up. And there's just uh, a lot going on that you really need to know about. Before we get started today, I want to extend my deepest sympathy to the folks over at Channel 5 and to Sarah Janicek's family. Sarah Janicek, 57 years old, died. I I was just so shocked. Tom Hauser announced it via Twitter just a a very short time ago, said that she um, had a short illness after traveling um, a, a lifetime trip that she went on to Chile and Argentina, and she got sick and died, which is just astonishing to me. She's been involved in politics uh, forever, it seems like. In fact, she was on this radio station. She was the first chick on this radio station when when we first opened up, which was, what, 2007 or whatever it was. Her and Brian Lambert, I think. Uh, anyways, it's shocking... Uh, very sad news. Uh, deepest sympathy to the Janicek family. Um, you know, I was going to jump right into some of the uh, regulations and the labor market and all of that kind of stuff. But and we're going to take a quick break here. But we cannot go forward without talking about what happened in Hawaii today. Oh, my gosh. I just I, I am just shocked by this. And again, uh, because I had my cell phone in my hand, I saw the text alerts, the the retweets that had come from people in Hawaii, all capital letters, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. And it's like, oh, my God. The, the people on social media were saying people the sirens were going off, people were running, they were crying, they were texting their goodbyes, they were calling their family to say goodbye, they were terrified, and 37 minutes later, 37 minutes later, the text came out that said, oh, it was just a mistake. There is no ballistic missile heading here. Sorry. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Okay, we'll take a break. We'll talk about it when we come back. Sue Jeffers, this is the Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, com. everyone thank you so much for tuning in i'm sue jeffers this is the sue jeffers show i like that song that always puts me in a good mood thanks stan it's above zero now who wouldn't be in a good mood it's downright balmy out there uh okay so we were talking about what happened in hawaii about eight o'clock in the morning their time all of a sudden the air aid sirens started going off everybody started getting these text messages all capital letters warning them that there was a ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek shelter immediately. This is not a drill. All capital letters. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? So terrifying. Obviously, people were freaking out. They were running to try to find shelter. They were hiding in their showers. They were hiding their children in in drainage ditches. One tourist said they tried to call 911 uh, three times, and the lines were always busy, or no one answered, or they couldn't give in, get any answers from anyone. People were texting their loved ones goodbye, 
um, uh, trying to get a hold of their loved ones for 37 minutes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that for 37 minutes thinking a ballistic missile was heading your way? Then all of a sudden they found out it was a false alarm. And uh, and, and they sent out text messages and the sirens turned off. And then, and then you immediately, of course, saw people start to play the blame game. R.T. Ryback, you loser. Uh, right away he was out there talking about how, oh, it was Trump's fault and him and his big button and whatever. And, and I mean, it just drives me that is that whole thing I, I, apart from itself yeah. is, is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk about the button uh, and who has the bigger button, maybe on another show, but not this one. Um, I just want people to realize how terrifying and that how terrifying this could be. And when Stan and I were talking about it before the show, he said, you know, think about Hawaii. Hawaii has what a million or two million people. What if that was L.A. or what if that was New York where you're talking 40 million people or or more and and how panic could ensue in in immediately immediately of of course um the white house came out and said it was a hundred percent totally a state exercise so in other words it only happened in the state of hawaii i saw other uh, people who love to play politics at the drop of a hat trying to blame the u.s pacific command um and uh yeah they knew nothing about it either um, the Hawaii governor came out and said, yeah, we're really sorry. Shouldn't have happened. Someone hit the wrong button during the shift change. I'm like, really? Really? One button can set off that kind of terror? Yeah, that, that should kinda... be, there should be like a uh, like a confirm button. Are you sure? Yeah. Just like when you buy something online. I or mean... maybe the red handle on the wall, yeah. you know, that you actually... <laughs> it's not 1960 anymore, to... sir. I don't care. <laughs> you have to make a concentrated effort. Uh... <laughs> Could you imagine if I had that power pushing a button here in the studio? The... It's troubling, Stan. <laughs> it is yeah, very troubling. Yeah, it's troubling. troubling. Yes. <laughs> um, Anyways, yeah, we're really sorry. It shouldn't have happened. It was the wrong button during a shift change. And, of course, the FCC has promised a full investigation. But my heart is still just... Uh, yeah, that has to be I, a really can you imagine? scary situation. I mean, yeah. knowing it's coming, trying to get a hold of your relatives, your loved yeah. ones. Yeah, terrifying. It, yeah. Yeah. Shaken is uh, not even good enough uh, and I, I wasn't even there. What is surprising now, looking back, is how many people I know that were in Hawaii. <laughs> I'm yeah, a little I got a jealous out about there. that. Meister's out there right now. So, oh my gosh, you yep. better check in yeah, with him. I'll have to check in with him for our show. Oh, here. I loved him, Les Meister. He did our outdoor show. He is such a great guy. He gave me the greatest knife sharpener. Oh. Love that, man. Yeah. Anyways, Hawaii, you're in our thoughts and prayers. And yeah, that's absolutely crazy, 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 crazy. Okay. So Donald Trump wants to drain the swamp. I want him to drain the swamp. We all want him to drain the swamp. One of the things that we've seen Donald Trump do uh, in his administration since day one, we're coming up on one year now, we're coming up on one year, uh, is uh, Donald Trump has been cutting regulations and half the people, half the general public doesn't even have the faintest idea 
how many regulations there are, how many he has attempted to remove. And there are a lot of people now who are trying to spread the word and they're trying to say, uh, take a look at all these these regulations. Do you know who pays them? Do you know how much they cost? Do you know what regulations he's starting to uh, starting to cut back on? And I think it was an election year promise for Donald Trump that he said he wanted for every new law that went into effect, he wanted two to be taken off the books. He's done even better than that. But let's back up. And and I want you people to understand who pays the regulations and how much how much they cost. You know who pays those? You know who pays for those regulations? You do. You pay for them. You pay for them in higher prices, reduced returns. And if you have retirement stocks or a 401k, anything like that, you get lower returns in your, re- in, in your retirement packages. Uh, and it, it's a, it also equates to lower wages. Last year, listen to this. You're just going to be shocked at this number. Last year, Americans spent $10.7 trillion dollars and regulations cost them $2 trillion. I mean, think about that. Almost 20 cents of every dollar that we spend is to pay, is it goes to pay for some of the regulations that were on the book, on the books. So every single year, the federal government passes between, imposes between 2,500 and 4,500 regulations. And if you want to learn about them, you have to go read the federal Register. The federal register is 70 to 80,000 pages of these regulations every single year. So in other words, um, the Chamber of Commerce put put this out. They said if you can read 300 words a minute, it would take you 3.5 years with weekends off to read the entire code of federal regulations, which is over 100 million words. So they took a look at 430 federal departments, agencies, and of course, sub-agencies, and they work year-round producing, on average, 10 regulations every single day of the year. And basically, none of the three branches of government have any idea what's going on with this. Isn't that just astonishing? Absolutely astonishing. Uh, This past week, we also had a really interesting article that came out about U.S. government pay. So the government pays employees about a million dollars a minute. They took a look. This is OpenTheBooks.com. They took a look at the 78 largest agencies, um, and they they found out that the average salary for a federal employee exceeds $100,000, and roughly one in five of those people on government payroll has a six-figure salary. We are a generous nation. We are a truly generous nation. Almost 30,000 rank-and-file government employees make over $190,000 more than any governor of all 50 states. That is just that is just astonishing. Oh, by the way, you want to know what the average American makes? $44,148 a year. Think about that. Think about that. That's just... It's astonishing. So I am very thankful that uh, Donald Trump has got to work on reducing some of these regulations. Um, Donald Trump said that uh, he would continue to work on reducing more of them. Donald Trump and the White House claim that the, that they have a 22 to 1 
out and in ratio. So they say that for every one law that's passed, they have um, gotten rid of 22 regulations. And actually, I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But I have to say that they have done a tremendous job and I hope they keep it up. I I really hope they keep it up. Um, the December regulatory agenda brought the tally up to 1,579 regulatory actions that were withdrawn or delayed. Do you know how huge that is? Do you know how huge that is? 300, no, 635 regulations were withdrawn. 244 regulations were made inactive and 700 regulations were delayed. That is so huge. And that also goes back to the same thing that we talked about before, where a lot of, not all the things, but a lot of the things that um, Barack Obama did were done by executive order. Well, when you govern by the pen, the next president can come in and govern by the pen, too. So, well, we've seen uh, a lot of things happen with Donald Trump's pen be careful what you wish for. Uh, there are also Congress has also been busy at eliminating things too, and we can talk about a little bit later. We'll talk today. We'll talk about tax uh, tax reform, and one of the things that they got rid of was the individual mandate. Um, and and these are all big, uh, big important important things that uh, Donald Trump deserves credit for that because I don't I, the. The draining the swamp, really, truly, it's an ocean. It's an ocean out there. When you when you think of of there's nothing you can do where government isn't impacting it somehow. Whether it's your home, your schools, your roads, your their government has their fingers in everything, and um, we really have to give Donald Trump credit for that. And by the way. There's a lot of work still still left to be done, but I think we can address the regulatory state uh, easily. So where am I here, Stan? Okay, I got to take a break. Um, I want to talk next when we come back from the break. When we come back from the break, I want to talk about the minimum wage. Um, Democrats are liars. They are liars. I don't call them whatever you want. Call them Democrats. Call them Democrat socialists, call them liberals, call them whatever. They are liars. And when when it comes to the minimum wage, they they just they I don't I don't know if they're that stupid that they can't understand economics uh, or if they just don't want to understand economics. And it is just shocking to me that that the liberals, Democrats can be so economically ignorant, so stupid, uh, and, and, and not understand that when government intrudes into the labor market or any other market, uh, it kills job. It kills jobs. It hurts the very people that, that they say that it's, that it's going to help. Minimum wage hikes, uh, lead to job losses and, and well, I'm, I have a quite a, quite a long list of things that I want to, um, that I want things that you never think about because you think, oh, yeah, we want those poor people to earn more money. I want you to understand the minimum wage is, generally speaking, going to uh, low-skilled, entry-level workers. And and what happens when you increase the cost of hiring these low-skilled, 
entry-level workers, you get less of them. You kill jobs. And when people can't get the experience that they need to be able to hold a job, it's really interesting now, too, because you're seeing studies come back from Seattle and you're hearing about how these minimum wage increases are bringing crushing job losses and especially bringing crushing job losses for female and minority workers. You're hearing about how for every dollar minimum wage hike, it causes four to 10 percent increase in restaurant failures and they still will not go in for the tip credit. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So we're going to talk minimum wage when I come back. You're not going to believe some of the consequences that are happening from this. And there's just no denying it now. You're going to see this. um, You're going to see this happening more and more in Minnesota as well. Uh, Minneapolis has increased their minimum wage. St. Paul's going to increase theirs. And you're going to see some other cities follow suit. Uh, Huge push to increase the federal minimum wage. It's absolutely ridiculous. And government has no business being in the labor market at all. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and com. Good Saturday afternoon, Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. Go Vikings! Stan's got the game on for me. Well, not our game. Our game's not till tomorrow, but I'm, you know, got to check out the competition, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, my mind is kind of on football, but nothing gets me more angry at government intervention is when we start talking about the minimum wage, minimum wage increases that we're seeing everywhere. I told you earlier in the show that um, Channel 11 had an interesting story uh, about the 18 states that raised the minimum wage effective January 1st. Uh, and Pioneer Press has an interesting story talking about the fight for 15 that's going on in St. Paul. Uh, I'll post both of them up on my Facebook page letter, uh, later on. But I just, you know, every time I hear a liberal, a Democrat, a socialist talk about the minimum wage and how it has to be raised, it just infuriates me. I just, I just feel the steam coming out of my ears because I'm like, how can they be so stupid? How can they be so economically illiterate and economically ignorant? Don't they realize how much they're hurting the very people that they're they're trying to help. It's just a, a job-killing lie when they when they tell you that by increasing the minimum wage, it will help poor people. And we're we're starting to see uh, some of the consequences that are happening because obviously um, Minnesota is probably looking at a statewide minimum wage increase again uh, because when they passed the last increase, there's an automatic inflator there, so it's going to go up every single year. Uh, and they'll probably speed it up if the Democrats have their way. But the consequences of these govern- this government interference into the la- labor market is job losses, especially for women, especially for minority workers. You see businesses that are cutting hours, that are cutting benefits. They're eliminating paid breaks. Uh, Some of them are closing their stores. You're seeing technology uh, eliminating jobs, whether it's a kiosk, whether it's an automated form of something. And and just as bad, it, it impacts our purchasing power. It drives up the cost of things. It drives up the prices for us. I, I read an article this past week. One was written by 
uh, somebody really smart, like I could have written it, uh, talking about the damaging effects of the minimum wage. And in particular, it was about Subway and the what happened to the footlong special. And then I went to the L.A. Times and read a stupid article talking about the subway and they arrived at well it's because we aren't paying the employees enough and that's why this the five dollar footlong sandwich went under and it was just absolutely ridiculous to see how this writer had to twist himself into a pretzel had to pull out a study from 1995 wouldn't we have so many more now uh, because this has been a push for the last few years of course um and and then the other thing what people really don't think about is let's say you've worked at a company and you've worked really hard and they've rewarded you and they've they've increased your wages every single year. Now, all of a sudden, some newbie who doesn't know anything comes in is making the same amount of money as you. How fair is that? Life isn't fair. Oh, it's just crazy. Uh, minimum wage hikes kill jobs. And the Seattle minimum wage hike... Um, 6,700 jobs were lost. The annual wages were down $1,500. You know why? Because they cut hours. Uh, You know who it hurt especially? It hurt the poor. It hurt women. It hurt minority workers, low-skilled people who weren't equipped to to come into the workplace yet. You're you're talking about entry-level jobs. Do you understand that? Entry-level jobs. And then, of course, the Harvard study that just came out last week. Every $1 minimum wage hike causes 4 to 10% increase in restaurant failures. That should trouble you, too, because now instead of getting a pay raise, none of them have jobs anymore. None of them. Not to mention, not only do they not have jobs, the the government isn't able to collect the tax revenue from them. So Red Robin hamburger chain, their way to go and address what was happening when the minimum wage was increased for them, they went and they eliminated its 570 locations. It eliminated every busboy job, every single busboy job The the Red Robin chain had already eliminated the so-called expediter position. That's the one where they help the food get plated and help it get out to the table faster. Red Robin said that they saved $10 million eliminating expediters, and the company expects to save $8 million by eliminating the busboy position. So you have people who are going to have to do the jobs now of these expediters and these busboys. And you also have expediters and busboys who are using that job to get their foot in the door to train themselves for something better, better, whether it was a host or hostess job, whether it was a waiter job, whether it was a, a cook job or a chef job, anything to get in the door and earn them earn themselves some money. Uh, they, they All these restaurants are looking for ways to adjust uh, to the minimum wage hike. Mark's Pizzeria in, I don't know, some place in upstate New York. New York raised their minimum wage, and they said uh, anybody who had over 30 locations had to pay their workers $15 an hour by the end of the year. Well, guess what Mark's Pizzeria did? They shut down a whole bunch of their stores. So now... Effective January 1st of this year, they only had 29 stores. 
29 stores. So now they had other stores that could have made it if government wouldn't have stuck their nose in the in the labor market. But nope, they just shut them down. And oh, it just it just makes me it it makes me mad. I know Stan's yelling at me to take a break. Um, I want to tell you again how. The minimum wage increases hurt the poor. We've had we have several studies that have come out from Seattle, Harvard Business School, uh, and they talk about the negative effects of government sticking their nose in the labor market. Uh, in January, you have 18 states this month where minimum wages are going up, uh, and people don't realize the ripple effect this is going to have and how it's going to hurt people so much. We'll be right back. Lots more coming. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130, Twin Cities. Newstalk.com. So I'm singing Elfira. Good Saturday Elfira. afternoon, everyone. How you doing? I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. You want to weigh in? 651-989-5855. 651-989-5855. I'm talking about the minimum wage increases. I'm talking about how it hurts the poor. This month, we're going to see 18 states jacked up their minimum wage. And ask yourself, will those changes make unskilled workers more employable? Will they? Will these unskilled or entry-level workers, uh, when they're more expensive to hire, what do you think is going to happen? They're not going to get hired. They but ha- at the same time, just to be devil's advocate here, I'm not saying I don't agree with you, but would that not make them? I know you do. Would would that not make them compete harder for those entry-level jobs because they know if they don't compete for it? Their job is not going to be there where now, since they aren't getting paid as more, maybe there isn't quite as much competition. And also, I'm a math guy. Let's say it's 10 bucks an hour now. You work 40 hours a week. That's $400 a week. Okay, they raise it to 15. Okay, your hours get cut to 30. Okay, you're still making for you're still making more at that 30 hour week. And then you can go out and get a part time, another part time job for the other 10 hours and you're up. A couple hundred bucks a week. How many, if the business is open, how many part-time jobs you want to work? Well, it's 40 hours, whether you work three jobs or one, what's the difference? <laughs> okay. So a, ma- the, uh, a major research paper that came out last summer, econ- economists commissioned the city of Seattle. They reported that the hike to $13 an hour caused a decline in unemployment of low-wage workers. For those who remained employed, it caused a sharp cutback in hours when the gain from higher hourly wages was sent a set against the loss of jobs and hours the bottom line was stark the minimum wage ordinance lowered lower wage employees earnings by an average of $125 per month stand I hope he's listening to that. He's not. He went to let our guests in. Uh, In 2017, another study by the Harvard Business School scholars analyzed the minimum wage hike in San Francisco. Every $1 increase in the mandatory minimum wage led to a 14% increase in the likelihood of a median-rated restaurant that would go out of business. Decades of empirical research dating back to the first federal minimum wage law have reached similar conclusions. And these foolish politicians continue to ignore it. Jeff, let's take your phone call. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Anytime it comes up with a government mandated anything, be it wages, be it health care, 
companies are going to find a way to get around it. Healthcare, they cut employees so they don't have enough to them, so they don't have to cover it. But as far as the minimum wage, so yeah, like you said, they cut hours or they cut jobs or they replace the human beings with computers or robots. Right, right. Why wouldn't they? How else are they going to stay in business, Jeff? Well, the, the best thing is, is when you replace them with robots, they tend not to call in sick or get, get pregnant <laughs> or any other things that can happen. And you don't have so to give them health care. can't figure it out. What what? Because they have no common sense about business. Because business is always going to, they're going to make their bottom line. And if they have to cut labor to make it, they're going to cut labor somehow. They're just morons. Yeah, I know. D- Jeff, it makes me so mad, I can hardly stand it. Oh, it, it just ticks me off, too. Like I was telling Stan, I was saying, Minimum wage should be zero. There should be no yes, minimum wage. Yes, exactly. That's because because you can uh, now hiring one dollar an hour. No one's going to come knocking at their door, so they're going to have to find where it's going to have to be. And like you said, unskilled laborers. Well, if you if they're going to be required to pay fifteen bucks an hour, they're going to take someone that's like thirty five or older before they're going to take that sixteen year old. Yeah, that yeah, you're a hundred percent right. I remember. <laughs> In the days of the bar, I would every once in a while have someone come in and say, hey, um, I'm I'm a really good waitress. And I'll say, nope, I don't want you. And they'll say, I'll work for free. I'll show you how great I am. And I'd say, okay. And then if they were great, I'd keep them. And if they weren't, yeah. well, see ya. <laughs> it's, simple, it's simple of deciding. And, and you, the businesses aren't stupid. The politicians are. Exactly. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate appreciate your comments. Exactly right. Uh, job losses, and, and by the way, those job losses especially hurt women and minority workers, which are the very people Democrats claim that it's going to help. They cut hours, they cut benefits, they eliminate paid breaks, they close stores. We heard Mark's Pizzeria close stores, renamed some of their stores. Uh, like Jeff said, they use technology, whether it's kiosks or eliminating uh, cashiers or doing it yourself all that kind of stuff and and the part that people really don't understand is how much it impacts your purchasing power how much it drives up the prices and and how you'll see fewer fewer specials going on out there there was a a sandwich shop a subway shop in where was it it might have been seattle and they said sorry patrons we're not participating in the 499 foot log promotion the cost of doing business in the city of seattle is very high we are balancing the highest minimum wage in the nation paid sick leave the uh, obamacare secure scheduling a soda tax and much much more the and good for the patrons good for the patrons for or good for the owners for putting it out there so the patrons could see it because the consequences of a high minimum wage uh, being overtaxed and a mandate happy um, socialist government that you have in so many of these cities uh, it's not just limited to loss of jobs but you're also not going to be able to get your your cheap food any any longer either uh, Seattle by the way Remember, she said that it was because of they're balancing the high minimum wage, the paid sick leave, um, Obamacare, secure scheduling. Uh, Minneapolis has all of those things. Minneapolis has all of those things. 
Um, St. Paul has almost all of those things. They're trying to get them on a statewide level. This is a horrible, horrible, horrible mistake. And it's something that we have to start fighting back. And then I get so mad. Our publicly funded uh, NPR, Minnesota Public Radio, I just, you know, I think they do a really good job almost all the time. And then they come out with some BS, like the one that I saw last week. Thanks for nothing, Bob Collins. Uh, The headline said, faced with a higher minimum wage, Tim Horton's owners make it hurt. So he he blamed well, and I know Bob didn't write the um write the headline, but he wrote the story that was just as bad and talks about Tim Horton's, the Canadian coffee shop, and how they were trying to make up for the two dollars and forty cents an hour hit that they were taking after they had the minimum wage increase. And so they came out and they said, guess what, uh, employees, now you have to pay for your uniforms. Um, now you're going to have to, you don't get, you don't get a, a 15 minute break anymore. Uh, the free drink that you got at the end of the shift. Sorry, we got to take that away too. And then you've got all these people calling them mean bullies. Folks, they have to make a profit. If they don't make a profit, they don't stay in business. Um, oh, sometimes they, they, sometimes they would reward their employee if they hadn't, if they had not called in sick for over six months, they'd give them a, a day off without pay just as a way to say thank you. That's gone. The bonus for working on a birthday, that's gone. So all these things that Tim Hortons did to make themselves more marketable, to make themselves an attractive place to work, to reward the hardworking employees that they had there, now they don't get any of those things anymore because now the, uh, oh, and you know what else? The workers had to now pay 75% of the cost of their health care benefits. Yikes, that's that's a that's a big one too. And then here you have NPR and Bob Collins that come back and they say uh and they, and they say they blame the business instead of blaming the politicians who created this mess in the first place. It's ridiculous. You're also starting to see a lot more uh, stories about the high public cost of low wages. And in particular, they're picking on Walmart, but they're talking about how poor people, uh, taxpayers have to spend $200 billion a year aiding uh, poor working families. Well, what made everything so expensive? Government made everything so expensive. It drives me absolutely crazy. Okay, I really wanted to get to some Minnesota stuff, but we're going to have to put that on hold for a little bit because uh, coming up next, Lee McGrath is coming in. Lee McGrath, and he's bringing out his uh, plaintiff, Nan. Institute for Justice, they're my heroes. Lee McGrath is my hero. And they, the Institute for Justice sues government. And I I love them for that. They fight in some real specific areas, but IJ has a new case coming forward now that has to do with interstate commerce, and it has to do with wineries and grapes. So we're going to meet Nan, and she's going to tell us our story. And anybody who's ever sued government, like me, uh, or and like a lot of friends of mine, it is so scary. And to know that you have IJ by your side and somebody like Lee McGrath by your side, it just really, really, really helps. And... This is a story, folks, because it could be you standing in her sh- in her shoes someday. So you aren't going to want to miss the next segment. Plus, next hour, we're going to talk Minnesota. 
Plus, we're going to talk Donald Trump. I got so much to talk. Not about poop. We're not going to talk about poop. We're going to talk about um, some of the policies and things that he's put in place, uh, including tax reform, too. So stay tuned, everyone. We're loaded. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.